Well, good morning, Covenant College. Good to be with you. If you have a Bible, please open to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Listen carefully to God's holy and inerrant word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we pray that in these moments your spirit would work by and with your word to renew our hope and to give us joy. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, this past week has been a big one for sports. Uh, not only the Stanford women taking the National Basketball Championship and the rather convincing victory of the Baylor Bears over undefeated Gonzaga in the men's championship, but more important than either of those, baseball began. The Cardinals won on opening day. It's been a little disappointing ever since, but there's always hope that they'll bounce back before the season gets too far along. Reminds me of one of my favorite cartoons where Schroeder, who is catching, goes out to the pitching mound and says to Charlie Brown, the bases are loaded again. And there's no one out. And Charlie looks at him and says, well, what do you think? And Schroeder says, we live in difficult times. Beloved, we sure do live in difficult times for a year now, we have experienced that fight-or-flight response of anxiety and fear as we have moved through this pandemic together. We've experienced loss after loss of various kinds. 
And you might be forgiven for asking, what difference does Easter make? What difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? We don't live in paradise, to be sure. Paul David Tripp put it this way in his book, Journey to the Cross. Paradise is the constant hope of us all. It's hardwired within us. We look for it everywhere. Our vain search heaps piles of disappointment on us. Our dream is shattered again and again, sometimes by the same thing again. We find it hard to be satisfied, and we're tempted to become bitter. We know that we should have learned our lesson, but then we get up and start searching again. Somehow, in some way, every human being is searching for paradise. And he talks about all the places we look for it in our relationships, in our children, in our jobs, in the pursuit of academic degrees. And he said, at the end of the day, we find that we're exhausted emotionally and we keep searching in all the wrong places. Dr. Tripp says, what if instead of pursuing paradise in a fallen world, we were to pursue lament at the brokenness of sin, but not to grieve as those who have no hope, but as those who, as Chaplain Lowe said Monday, for whom the resurrection has changed everything. Because that's Peter's message to this group of believers who he refers to as strangers in the world. They're exiles scattered in the early 60s throughout northwest Turkey, enduring persecution as they experience disdain from a culture that is antithetically opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says to them that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we have a living hope and we have an imperishable inheritance and we have an inexpressible joy. Peter begins talking about this living hope. He writes to God's elect, uh, to those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and washing by his blood. Peter says, don't you know who you are? You are those that the Father has loved since before the foundation of the world. You are those to whom he has sent his Holy Spirit, not only in effectual calling to new life in Christ, but in justification and in adoption as his beloved children and in sanctification into the likeness of Jesus. He says, cheer up. Grace and peace are yours in abundance. Praise be to God. Peter is just so captivated by this image of the superabundance of God's grace and mercy that he, he breaks into praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says, look, it's a free gift. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But the Father has lavished his mercy and grace on us, his people. 
and we've been born again by the Spirit into a living hope. You know, we, we use the word hope in so many different ways. Some of you are hoping you'll pass your calculus exam. We say to one another, we hope we'll see you next weekend. We hope there'll be a time where we don't have to wear these silly masks. Uh, we, we hope and we hope, we hope against hope. Um, sometimes our parents say that we're hopeless. We use hope in a way that is so counterintuitive to its very nature in the Christian faith. Because Peter doesn't say that we have been given wishful thinking. He says, you have been born anew into a living hope. Beloved, hope is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And when he rose from the dead... He was declared with power, Paul says, to be the Son of God. And that means that all of his promises are yes and amen. Everything that God says in his word is true because Jesus defeated sin and death and hell. And so a broken paradise is not the end. Jesus is bringing about a new creation reality that will result in nothing less than the transformation of this broken paradise into a new heaven and a new earth. Peter says, it's God's mercy that's done this. Years ago in uh, Cape Town, I was teaching at a theological college, and I was asked to help my daughter's senior class as they were getting ready for their final exams. In uh, South Africa, the way you do it is you study three, or study six or seven subjects for three years, and then you write a month of exams. And they had done a practice set of exams in July. And so after they were over, I went up to one of the girls and I said, well, how did it go? And she said, well, I took six subjects. Yeah, how'd you do? She said, well, I failed all six. How are you thinking about the fall? She said, well, I, I hope I'll pass. And then I ran into another one of the students and I said, how many exams did you write? She said, seven, how'd you do? Well, Uncle Herb actually rather well. I cut seven distinctions, straight A's. And I said to her, how are you feeling about the exams in October? She said, oh, I, I hope I'll pass. One was hoping where, humanly speaking, there wasn't much hope. And the other had overwhelming confidence. But our confidence isn't in our own ability. It is in the risen Lord Jesus who's able to speak to the wind and the waves and say, cut it out, peace be still. You and I have a living hope, but Peter isn't done there. He says we also have an imperishable inheritance because through God's mercy, we have been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And if you ask me, well, what's it look like? I don't know, but I know it's going to be amazing. Because no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has begun to imagine the riches of glory that are ours in Jesus Christ. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge that will be ours when we come into our inheritance and Peter says, look, he's keeping it safe for you. No one's going to take it out of your hands. It will not go away. I'll have it here at just the right time. And I'm giving you the Holy Spirit as a deposit until that day comes. 
But beloved, more than that, he's keeping us for our inheritance. Because it's not just about the riches of his glory, the treasure we have. Rather, it is about the fact that we're part of the family. We belong to God. We're his beloved sons and daughters of grace, co-heirs with Jesus, so that everything he has will be ours. And that means that we look at the challenges that hit us in this life from a different perspective. Easter Sunday, uh, the family came over. Uh, my grandson and granddaughter were there. Um, I took my 15-month-old grandson out in the backyard. Uh, he's only about two feet high, but he is fearless. And he went over to the slide, which is way too big for him. No way he could climb it by himself, and no way it would be safe for him to come down it by himself. So I, I was guiding him up to the top and then following him down the slide, and we did that until I was exhausted. I think he'd be doing it still because it never occurred to him that I would let him fall. He doesn't know how to say my name. I'm called Papa by my granddaughter. He can't say that yet, but he knows who I am. He knows I've got his back. He knows that I will never let anything happen to him where I'm not present to catch him when he falls. Beloved, you and I have that relationship with the Father through the living hope we have in Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit who indwells us with the promise of this future inheritance, which signifies not only treasure in Jesus, but it signifies that we belong and we will forever be his forever family. And Peter says that enables us to have an inexpressible joy in the midst of our trials. These, uh, rather, he says, in this you greatly rejoice, verse 6, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, the trials that the exiles were going through had to do with the hostility they were enduring from their neighbors and co-workers and Roman authorities who just could not believe that they were falling for this gospel stuff about Jesus. The kind of opposition that even we in our own cultural social context sometimes experience from a watching world. And Peter says, yeah, you've had to suffer grief through various kinds of trials, but these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine may be found to have a tested approvedness and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, when the curtain goes up on our salvation and Jesus comes back, he will be declared by all to be King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be publicly vindicated, but beloved, so will we. And we will share in the praise and the honor and the glory that he will receive on that great day when our faith becomes sight. And Peter says that gives us joy even in the midst of trial. James Montgomery Boyce put it this way. He said, God sees every one of your sorrows and he keeps every tear you weep in his bottle. 
Not one of our tears go unnoticed by God and he will redeem them into pure gold for his glory certainly but for our good ultimately. And it means that we don't move in fear but we live by faith. And the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And Peter says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. We love him because he's meek and lowly. Uh, we love him because he rose from the dead and is at the right hand of God, reigning and ruling over his and our enemies. We love him because he is good. We love him because he is strong. We love him because he is the hope of the world. We love him because in him we live. Because he loved us and gave himself for us. Peter says, even though you don't see him now, you love him, you believe in him, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy is grounded in the living, risen Lord Jesus who has defeated sin and death and hell, who's even right now at the right hand of the Father praying for each one of you by name, who catches every tear you cry during this year and will redeem it for his glory and for your good. And that means that we do not grieve as those without hope but as those who have a sure confidence in the hope that is ours in Christ. One of our recent graduates, Bethany Alms, has been working in Nicaragua for the past several years. Um, she works with a organization called No Child Without Hope. Uh, she goes village to village in the rural areas teaching women to help counsel one another about trauma. And three years ago this month, she got a phone call telling her to evacuate within an hour. Here's what she wrote. On Sunday, I was ordered to evacuate by MTW. As I only had an hour to prepare, I felt like I left things in disorder. I could only send my students a quick text saying, no classes until further notice. I had to leave my puppy with my best friend. My bed was unmade. Dirty dishes were in the sink. Things were going so well with classes and ministry. And now I felt this great disruption. Yet my father is using this time to remind me that even though it seems like chaos to me, he's still in control and working all of this for his glory. And out of this chaos is growing more trust in him. Bethany's evacuation would last for a year, but in the fullness of time, God sent her back. Having grown in her faith, having grown in her trust, having more to share with those who are struggling. Beloved, that is who we are. That is the hope that Easter gives. That is the promise that is our living hope, the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, would you renew our hope? Would you fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and give us courage during these difficult days, and give us through your Holy Spirit a joy that is inexpressible 
and full of glory. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.